the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Instantly. Message. The following program is sponsored. Today on Know the Truth, a study in Ecclesiastes from Philip de Corsi. Contentment means that you believe that you have everything you need right now. It's a present thing. This kind of future that you have planned or saved for or dreamed about, well, you can submit that to God, but my goodness, don't hang your happiness on it. Because God says you enjoy what you have right now and you don't know what tomorrow can bring. When times are tough, what motivates you to get through the day? For many, it's the anticipation of a summer vacation or saving up for a shiny new car. While these incentives can get us moving in the short run, it's crucial we fix our gaze on the things that will last for eternity. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy is teaching from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. In a culture that revolves around earning and spending, we can benefit from this helpful and inspiring reminder about finding contentment. Here's Philip DeCourcy. Let's return to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We've been working our way through this passage. And while we were reading verses 4 through 6, we were struck, especially in verse 6, by Solomon's call for balanced living. Better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and a grasping for the wind. So Solomon warns us here, rather than grasping for so much that we have to become a workaholic to achieve it, let's be content with less. We reminded ourselves contentment means that you have everything you need right now. We also reminded ourselves that contentment is not a denial of life's reality, which is often ugly and raw, but it is a freedom that finds its faith in God and liberates us from uh, being controlled by our emotions or having our joy defined by our circumstances. So we started to um, mark out the path to contentment. We began to identify some mile markers on the road to contentment. Number one, anticipate a struggle. The journey to contentment's not an easy one. It's not a natural one. Because we have inherited the DNA of Adam and Eve, we realize that we have a niche we're always seeking to scratch outside the will of God. Number two, want what you have. It's a simple point we made. Contentment is a matter of accepting, wanting, and being thankful for such things as you have, right? You see, the, the secret to contentment is to be found in accepting God's provision and providence for the moment we're in. But here's the third thing I want to get across. Anticipate a struggle. Want what you have. Thirdly, don't crave things you cannot keep. I think this is good. This is another mile marker on the road to contentment. Let's go over to 1 Timothy 6. 
1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Okay, we've heard it said, I'll say it again, you've never seen a U-Haul on the back of a hearse. All right, that's just a fact. Therefore, having food and clothing with these, we should be content. What's Paul saying here? He's saying that here's what promotes contentment. Don't crave things that you cannot keep. We brought nothing into this world, and we can carry nothing out of this world. So that tells you that stuff is not that important. Certainly not in the face of death. Certainly not at the mouth of eternity. Guys, life is a pilgrimage from a point of nakedness to another point of nakedness. And I think sometimes we forget that. In fact, this has a corollary thought here. We would do well to remember what we are. Go with me to 1 Peter 2 verse 11, and I'll remind you what you are. Peter says this, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. What are we? Pilgrims and strangers. This ties in with the thought that we are resident aliens. You've been born here. That's never been a struggle for you. But a bit of a tug at the heart, giving up a British passport, turning my back on things that I have loved. And, and there is a metamorphosis going on in me, and I'm becoming less British and more American. God help me. <laughs> but, but, there's a naturalization process going on. It's a naturalization process that's going on, that I give up all other allegiance. In fact, I was working through my little book on the naturalization, and that's question 53 in the book. What is one promise you make when you become a United States citizen? Quote, give up loyalty to other countries and be loyal to the United States. And that's dead right. That's right. But I once wore the uniform of the British police force. I once stood at a RUC depot in Belfast and, and said that I would die for the Queen of England. My loyalty was to the crown. But that loyalty will change. It is changing, and it will change gladly. We know our two countries are brothers and sisters almost. But Peter says, hey, to the Christian, don't become naturalized. You stay a pilgrim and you stay a stranger. This world is not your home. Paul will say in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. Philippi was a colony hundreds of miles from Rome. It had been conquered. Macedonia had been conquered by the Romans, and so they allowed some of their soldiers to stay in Philippi. Then they shipped a bunch of their people from Rome to Philippi. Philippi was a strategic trade route. Roman justice was administered. Roman morals were observed. The Roman citizen who resided in Philippi, although outside of Italy, enjoyed the full rights of Roman citizenship and was exempt from taxes. So what's Paul saying? He's saying this, just as the Roman colonists never forget they belong to Rome, you must never forget you're a citizen of heaven. What's the practical point? 
You smart, you're getting it. The Christian must remain a resident alien. He must not become naturalized. He must maintain a pilgrim mindset. By implication, that means that will bring us into conflict with the world's values and the world's priorities. And what they think is important is not as important to us. That next car, that next home, that next set of clothes, it's as not important to us as it is to them. Because this is their place. They're going to go down with this planet on Judgment Day, sadly. But our citizenship's elsewhere. We're working off a different music score. We're working off a different um, set of plans. And our contentment, therefore, is fueled by this long hope of glory. We've got heaven on the horizon. Our contentment is fueled by the hope of glory and our losses are ameliorated by the thought that this is but a light affliction compared to the weight of glory that will be ours soon. Now, what Paul argues in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, he says this light affliction is nothing compared to the weight of glory that is ours. He's thinking about heaven his citizenship's there. The best is yet to come. So he can put up with what he's living with or living without because it's only going to get better. So just hang in there. Don't become conformed to this world. Stay a citizen of heaven. Have a pilgrim mindset. You know, I've been on the mission field a number of times across my ministry. And uh, in some contexts, the, the accommodation has been pretty sparse and the food pretty much stinks. But you know what? When you're on the road for a couple of weeks, it's funny how you adjust. You know, the bed's not as comfortable as my bed at home. The food's not as good as June cooks it. This isn't uh, anywhere near what I enjoy back home. But you know what? I'll suck it up for a couple of weeks because I'm going home. I've got a pilgrim mind. I'm just a stranger in this land for like three weeks. And that's the attitude we ought to have. We may content ourselves because this short life will soon be over and our suffering once in heaven will be long forgotten. Got an interesting call this week from a, a lady in Oklahoma called Pat Jones. Long story cut short, she had heard of me when I preached at Mark Hitchcock's church in December. And she's, she's a lady interested in the De Courcy name. And so she tracked me down through some of the people at Faith Bible Church in, in Edmond. And she called me up to talk about her Irish ancestry and, and a De Courcy connection. And I told her, I said, Pat, the next best thing to being Irish is having been Irish. <laughs> so we talked. And she took me deep into her family roots. And when her grandfather came over and we talked about the De Courcy name, which is a famous name in Irish history and so on and so forth, this lady just waxed eloquent for about 25 minutes. She had done her research. We talked so much about the past. Somewhere in the conversation, I thought to myself, you know what, I need to share something of the gospel to this lady. I didn't know if she was a believer or not, and I felt the Lord encouraged me to share that. And so I said, Pat, as we kind of wrapped up, I said, you know, the most important thing about us is not where we've been, but where we're going. And I said, Pat, are you going to heaven? You're telling me all about where your family's come from, but where's your family going? Do you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ? And that's our mindset, isn't it? The Christian almost must have heaven. It's not really about our past, and it's not really about our present. It's about our future. 
And that's why we mustn't crave things we cannot keep. And fourthly, we've got to live in the present, not the future. Contentment must be found in the circumstances you are in. What did Paul say in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13? I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself, whether full or whether empty. What's Paul saying? He's saying this, that my contentment is a present possession in the immediate context and the circumstances, whether good or bad. You see, what did we say? Contentment means that you believe that you have everything you need right now. That's the key to contentment. It's living in the present, not the future. It's accepting where God has you for this time. It's rejoicing in what God has provided for you at this moment. And it's living in the hope of better days, either in heaven or on the earth. But it's a present thing. It's a right now experience. But the trouble with people is that they're always postponing their happiness. Their contentment will come tomorrow. Because tomorrow is going to be better than today, isn't it? Maybe. But maybe not. And then you've just wasted today. And you're no further along the path to contentment. Come on. Some people live in the past, not a good place to be. And some people live in the future. Not in the way we've just talked about, but kind of postponing their joy, postponing their actions. They live on this expectancy kind of plane. They're always looking for something out there. But in the meantime, they're completely dropping the ball on the most precious thing that they have, which is what? The present moment. That's why the psalmist said, Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We need to be glad in the day we're in, in the moment we're experiencing. Because contentment's about living in the present, not in the future. This is what Robert Jeffries calls the oasis illusion. You've seen the movies, haven't you? The guy, you know, parts with thirst shuffling through an endless stretch of white desert, the sun relentlessly beating down on him. But he keeps going because he sees an oasis, a clump of trees, the sound of running water. And he says to himself, if I can just keep going, if I can arrive there, I'll be good to go. And then he gets there and what is it? It's a mirage. And he plods on through the never-ending desert. It's what Robert Jeffries calls the oasis illusion, and some of us are falling prey to that kind of illusion and deception. Well, if we can just get to tomorrow, we'll be good to go. If we can just get to Friday, we'll be good to go. If we could just get to the summer and the vacation, I'll be happier, more content. And you know I could go on multiplying those scenarios, and you probably have one right in your head that's particular to you right now the oasis illusion, and it is an illusion. This is the day you're in, and this is the day the Lord has made, and he made it for you, and he's got grace sufficient for it. He's got plans riddled throughout it. Now, the oasis illusion is a chasing of the wind for a couple of reasons quickly and will be done. One, because success and satisfaction in life as we have said, is a matter of wanting what you have. Okay? You can't enjoy what you don't have. 
The only thing you can enjoy is what you have. So you have a choice. Either enjoy it or make yourself miserable. And make everybody around you miserable. Live in the present. Come on. Not in the future. Hope for better days, yes. But don't postpone your happiness in God. Don't postpone your joy. Contentment is about enjoying your present possessions as from the hand of God. Wanting what you don't have is no way to live because it has you chasing a fantasy. It has you underappreciating what you have. Poor old Ahab fell into that trap, didn't he? Back in 1 Kings chapter 21. I mean, here's a man who's got buckets and buckets of stuff. And he looks out his window and next to his palace is a little vineyard owned by Naboth. And he says to himself, I want that. And Naboth says, you can't have it. It's an inheritance from the Lord. And old Ahab, you know, drools over his dinner that night. Faces the wall in the bed and says nothing. Till Jezebel says, what the heck's going on? Well, Naboth wouldn't sell me his vineyard. And she says, well, you're the king. Take it. And he connives and he gets it. But is he any happier? No. In fact, Elijah's then sent to say, hey, you're done. The dogs are going to lick your blood. See, when discontentment speaks, it always begins with two words, if only. Be careful. And just secondly, because we don't know what a day will bring forth. <laughs> You've got to live in the present. You've got to enjoy the moment, whatever it is. God can enable you to enjoy that because you've got to want what you have because that's all you have. Enjoy it. See what God wants to do with it. And then you don't know what tomorrow can bring. Here you are hanging your hope and your happiness on tomorrow. But what does James say? James 4, verses 13 through 14. No one knows what a day brings forth. Do you? I mean, can you tell me, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? You can make a guess at it. And then there's some big things that generally we might be able to predict with some, you know, sense of accuracy. But hey, we don't know what's really going to happen tomorrow. We have no control over it. That's in God's hands. So listen to this. The tomorrow you're waiting for, right? You're hanging your happiness on this tomorrow, whatever it is, this oasis that you're going to get to. The tomorrow you're waiting for and dreaming about may never come. Sorry to tell you that. But it's often the case. I've found it true in my life. Would you not agree with me? It's often the case that that means that tomorrow you'll be wishing for yesterday. That's the today you wasted, waiting for the tomorrow that never arrives. This was a tremendous statement I came across this week. William Lackey. There are times in the lives of most of us when we would have given all the world to be as we were but yesterday, though that yesterday has passed unappreciated. Real challenge, isn't it? Enjoy the moment you're in. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Closing story. Some of the ladies may have read some of Patsy Claremont's books. She was once sitting on an airplane next to a young man. She said this, I'd already observed something about this young man when I was seated. He called me ma'am. At the time I thought either he thinks I'm ancient or he's from the south where they still teach manners or he's in the service. After a little while, 
Patsy decided he was in the service, and she said, Are you in the service? To which the young man replied, Yes, ma'am, I am. What branch? Marines, he said. Where are you coming from? Operation Desert Storm. No kidding, Patsy said. How long have you been there? The young Marine replied, A year and a half. I'm on my way home. My family will be at the airport. Perhaps with a motherly instinct and a woman's intuition, Patsy commented, you know what? I'm sure you've thought about this moment many times as you trod the desert floor of the Middle East. Oh no, ma'am, he replied. We're taught never to think of what might never be, but to be fully available right where we are. It's a good lesson. Let me say it again. We were taught never to think of what might never be, but be fully available right where we are. Now, there's a future we know is going to happen, right? Our citizenship is there. So think about that. Think about that future. But this kind of future that you have planned or saved for or dreamed about, well, you can submit that to God, but my goodness, don't hang your happiness on it. Because God says you enjoy what you have right now, and you don't know what tomorrow can bring. So what are the markers on the road to contentment? Anticipate a struggle. Want what you have. Don't crave for that which you cannot keep. Don't do any of that. And live in the present, not the future. Let's pray. Lord, we feel the uh, edge of your word cutting, wounding, convicting, challenging our thinking. Perhaps, Lord, we would have to admit we're too worldly. We have forgotten that we're pilgrims and strangers. We're not holding on to our stuff lightly. God, challenge us. Challenge us to fight against this world, to fight for contentment, to want what we have, to be where we are fully, engaged in what you want for us and what you want to do through us. And all the meantime, Lord, help us to realize the best is yet to come. Well, Lord, we have felt the cut of your word, but it has healed us. It's, it's surgery for our health. And we thank you for the kind hand that moves the scalpel. Lord, as we turn our thoughts towards our Lord Jesus and his love for us, may, Lord, we thank you above all and find our joy amidst all in our so great a salvation. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Learning the art of contentment can be a lifelong journey as we look to God for everything we need. You're listening to Know the Truth and a message from Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy called Only the Lonely. You can get a CD copy of today's message or the seven-part study in Ecclesiastes when you call us at 888-644-8811 or visit us online at ktt.org. Our website offers a wealth of Bible study resources designed to strengthen your daily walk with God and your passion for Jesus Christ. And it all begins with knowing and applying God's truth. When you reach out today, we'd love to add you to the KTT team as one of our monthly truth ambassadors. Sign up to give $25 or $50, even $100 each month, and send the Know the Truth broadcast to people in your city and in cities across America. But whether you give monthly or make a one-time donation today, we'll send you the book, Not God Enough by J.D. Greer. Pastor J.D. explains that a God who is safe and small... A God who thinks like we think and acts like us, well, that's no God at all. 
and J.D. invites us to know the great, big God revealed in the Bible. Get your copy of Not God Enough when you call in your donation to 888-644-8811 or when you give online at ktt.org. You can also write to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Now, if you're new to Know the Truth, we'd also like to send you an entirely free resource. It's a highly requested message titled, Why Does God Allow Us to Suffer? Learn how our great God has greater purposes than we can see at first glance. Request this free CD message online at ktt.org. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, wishing you a restful weekend. And then be sure to come back Monday to Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. CBS premieres Sunday after 60 minutes. What if you got a friend request? What? From God. A few days ago, I was friended by someone calling themselves God. Miles Finer thought he had all the answers. The thing is, I don't believe in God. Now, he'll discover helping others. Are you okay? Is the best way to find the truth. I think you just saved my life. God Friended Me. Series premiere followed by the season premiere of NCIS Los Angeles. CBS Sunday. Attention small business owners, if you operate a retail business and are looking for great selling products with high margins, consider becoming a Nebo dealer and sell premium high demand flashlights that consumers love. Nebo is the leading brand for independent retailers everywhere. And here's why. Nebo partners with retailers to maximize valuable counter space, a constant stream of new innovative lights, incredible impulse displays, and an industry only buyback guarantee, which means Nebo will buy back Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.